2: very welcome back to After the Gold Rush Me's Beyond Boylan this LMFM podcast series with myself David Sheehan looking back on a difficult time for Me's GA in the final years of Sean Boylan's time in charge and then into the Eamon Barry and Colin Coyle eras if you missed last week's episode, I spoke to Anthony Myles and Brian Farrell about the final years of Sean's time in charge, particularly that 2005 season, which started so promisingly with a really good performance against Dublin, which ultimately came up short. Meade were beaten by two points in that one, but then they bowed out of the qualifiers in disappointing fashion against Cavan up in Clonus. So we talked about that last week with Anthony Moyles and Brian Farrell it was interesting to hear the training techniques that Sean was bringing to the table he really was as Anthony said pulling out all the stops to try and get things moving again but ultimately it just didn't work out and Sean stepped down at the end of August in 2005 after 23 long and very successful years in charge so do go back and listen to that one if you missed it now episode 2 is going to focus on the 2006 season and we decided to split it into two parts because there's really so much going on here. A lot of off-field stuff between the county board and the new manager Eamon Barry went on not long after he was appointed. So we're going to talk to Colm Keys about that because it was a turbulent year all around really and Colm covered a lot of those uh, meetings and a lot of those stories for the Irish Independent. When we look back through the archives we can see Colm's byline on quite a lot of those stories. We're going to talk to him about the off-field sort of stuff and then we'll talk to... Kevin Riley and Brian Farrell is back again to talk about what went on on the field in 2006. A mixed year some really good results mixed in with some really poor ones Um, but it's hard to argue that Meade made any progress forward but probably didn't make much back either so uh, it was a funny year really all in all uh, in many different ways so we're going to speak to Column Keys first of all in part one Uh, as I said we'll split this into two parts because uh, it just makes it a little bit more manageable rather than having an hour and a half or so of content for people to try and get through we'll put it into part one and part two so Column Keys up first and then we'll have Brian Farrell and Kevin Riley as a separate podcast in part two so we really do Hope you enjoyed, and thanks again to everybody who got in touch after part one came out last week. Lots of positive messages from people who uh, enjoyed listening to it. It's funny because it wasn't a successful time for me, but I do feel like sometimes uh, the glory days, and that's this isn't just exclusive to me, but the glory days are, are reflected on far too much, and oftentimes the most interesting stuff is from the times when things didn't go well you know and what people can learn from that uh, not that this is intended to be any kind of an educational podcast it's really just more of a of a look back to, to see what went on and to remind people what went on at the time a sort of a, a reeling in the ears from the mid-noughties if you wanted to call it that for me GAA but certainly as I said we've uh, we've all talked about the All-Ireland wins plenty of times over the years and that's great but it's good as well to look back on other events that people might have forgotten about so with that let's get into part one of episode two with Column Keys. Okay, so, Column, thanks so much for discussing uh, a very fractious year for for me as GA back in 2005. I suppose we're well used to seeing uh, succession plans not always working out as one would hope. With the likes of, I suppose, David Moyes being one obvious example as National Supporter, I can remember Bruce Rioch coming in and that didn't didn't go too well either. So you have these kind of managers coming in after one manager has been in for a long period of time, and obviously when Sean Boylan left, you know, we talked with talked with Anthony Moyes and Brian Farrell in the first part of this podcast about the fact that Eamon had had success. Eamon Barry, obviously, three in a row within Shockland. Very unfortunate, you could say, not to get to an All-Ireland Club final against Crossmolina. And, you know, you look at the voting in 2002, it was Sean Boylan 49, Eamon Barry 30, so only 19 votes in it. 03, Boylan kind of rallied, and I think a lot of the delegates got behind him. It was 69-16, but then in 04, just 13 votes between them, 50-37. So I suppose let's pick it up with Sean's decision to pull out which was which was kind of a last minute thing and a lot of the delegates wanted it reopened again so some of the former players like Colm O'Rourke possibly Jerry Mack and I think Liam Hayes might have been in the mix wanted it to be reopened for nominations again the county board said no we have Benny Reddy, Paddy Carr and Eamon Barry and that's the way the vote's going to go and Eamon got in on a landslide Um, so he, he'd been knocking on the door he'd finally gotten in But it very quickly started to unravel after that, a a choice of visio.
3: Yeah, I suppose there was a Sean Sean pulling out, leaving it very late that year. There was a fear that Sean would be beaten by Eamon this time, that the team had performed pretty okay against Dublin from my recall in 2005. They really put it up Mm -hmm. in Dublin at a time when they had introduced a lot of debutants, of course. And Sean Boylan was of the belief at the time, and still to this day now, that he could rebuild a new team. Uh, with those players he introduced five debutants and he could he was very very sure he could build rebuild a team and he wanted to put in his own succession plan uh in in that year from my recall of it so he spent a long time after the cabin game and was and and maybe you know the years that followed Mead reached two all-ireland semi-finals in the years that followed in seven and oh nine and then won a leinster title albeit with an asterisk over it in 2010 so in the following five years, we'd say there was enough there to suggest that, you know, what his good feeling was that he could rebuild was, was probably correct. But they had performed poorly. I mean, uh, a fourth successive exit to an Ulster team, this two, two in a row to, to Fermanagh and then Cavanagh and Clonus. So the mood around the county at the time was not good. Hmm. And there was an air uh, of change. And a lot of Sean's own, some of his own past players privately would have gone to him. Some of his All-Ireland uh, 87, 88 team would have suggested to him privately it was it was time to go. And indeed, Cormac Murphy uh, said it publicly that he felt things were had gone stale the year before. So really, there was a growing mood that the time was there for change. And, you know, you compare it to now. um you know, you compare it to now, people, people, people really, really cared to the point where there was, there was abuse in, in the air too. There was abuse around. It doesn't really happen now because my feeling is people have accepted where me there uh, at the moment. And they don't get as exercised over matters of management because they accept it's a long road and a really, really tough, tough place. But there was, I won't say it's an arrogance in me at the time, but there certainly were, uh, had become very, very used to success at the time. And that was reflected in the mood around the county that this needed change and there was a better way to do it. And whether it was Eamon Barry or not, he was certainly, he was certainly the prime candidate because of what he um, had done with Dunchockland. Now, you mentioned succession. The succession of a new manager in 20 years, known, like, the chairman at, at the time, Fintanguinity, had been there for almost every one of those 20 years. He'd been there since 1986. So he had worked so closely with Sean Boylan in 20 years, and I suppose the secretary at the time, Barney Allen, too, had been—they'd been hand in hand. So they weren't number one. They weren't used. They weren't used to transition, and they weren't used to any other manager for for the majority of their time as the primary officials in the county. They were used to Sean Boylan, and there was a way of doing things. So this was not only upheaval for the team. This was upheaval for the board too, and uh, they weren't used to it. And obviously, things had happened two years previously involving members, uh, prospective members of the backroom team and it all kicked off from there when uh, Eamon Barry tried to introduce Desi Rogers as his physio and Martin Barry, his brother, in a coaching capacity and of course they had been involved in the backroom with the All-Ireland winning junior team in 2003 and things got heated in a dressing room beforehand and all actually Gary Rogers, uh, who's gone on to have an absolutely magnificent career uh, as the foremost League of Ireland goalkeeper of this or maybe even any time. Um, so that was a different chapter. And obviously one led into the other.
2: One thing that that struck me, and I mean, you know, when I had the idea to kind of look at those few years, I I must say I didn't remember 10% of the stuff that went on. This, this all kicked off. You know, Sean Boylan stepped down at the very end of August. Eamon Barry was appointed shortly after that. And then into November and December was when all these issues that we'll talk about kicked off. And it was that time of year where there was very little going on. And going back through the newspapers, we were looking through them ourselves during the week. This was front page headline news on all the sports pages for for a week or so while this was rumbling on. But before we get to that, looking at the way it kind of panned out for Eamon Barry in the end, of course, we'll discuss that as well. One thing that struck me was what I mentioned a moment ago about the delegates wanting to reopen the nominations when, it, when Sean Boylan pulled out. I was slightly surprised that they didn't agree to do that because that would have been the perfect way. You know, you got the sense that Amy Barry wasn't particularly well liked by certain members of the of the county board. That would have been a very easy way for them if they could do it to reopen the nominations. Now, maybe legally they couldn't do it, but the suggestion was that it wouldn't be fair more than I didn't see anything in the paper or any of the reports about it that they were precluded from doing that. But it was more a case of, well, Paddy Carrion and Barry and, and Benny Reddy put their names forward. We can't kind of turn our back on those guys now and open it up again. But it slightly surprised me that they didn't find a way to do that because it would have solved a few problems for, for some of them, I would imagine.
3: Well, it, it doesn't... And this, again, we're, we're, we're 15, 16 years on from it now, so my, mm. my recall of that was Damon Barry had a lot of support within the clubs. He may not have mm. had it on the management committee and they may have been anticipating a fractious relationship anyway but he had a lot of support at the time among club delegates mm. to be and that was reflected in the votes in two of the previous three years so when the suggestion was made to reopen really up he had been the one pressing three years he had challenged John Boylan as was his right under the terms of the way the way these votes were run out that all all candidates were put to the uh put to the floor that obviously changed the year after he came in but If he was good enough to put his name down for three successive years and then Sean Boylan pulled out, the general feeling was, well, he's entitled to run given that he's last man standing or he was the last of three men standing and that nothing should change. And if somebody wanted to come in and challenge a year later. So from that point of view, it was rejected. And I think probably correctly so. Hmm.
2: Yeah, no, it was it was fair enough. Uh, we just, I suppose, we've seen workarounds uh, over the years in various county boards across the country, but it didn't happen on that occasion. So let's talk about the 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 actual. Um, I suppose the the route it developed. Then I, I guess Eamon's tenure could be kind of broken down into three parts: the appointments, the near sacking, then if you wanted to call it that, and then when he was replaced at the end by Colin Coyle. So let's discuss the the sacking. Let's say or the near sacking. He's only in the job eight weeks or so, and. As you mentioned there, he wanted to appoint Desi Rogers as the team's physio. Now, Eamon and Desi Rogers had been friends for 30 years at that point. As you mentioned, there was an altercation before the All-Ireland Junior Semi Final in Nina in 2003. Desi Rogers had served, and it was up at this point, his two-year suspension. um, Gotten a two-year suspension for bringing the game into disrepute. Um, So he was free to, to join the backroom team. Eamon Barry put this to... Uh, Fintan Ginnity, Barney Allen, and Colin Gannon and he was told that under no circumstances. I'm so looking at uh, Frank Roach's report here. Was Desi Rogers to join the backroom team? Uh, that was fine. On the Monday, then Eamon Barry releases a statement to the media, which basically said, and he used the words "or holding, uh, holding back" Mead football. Some individuals in the county board. So really, that's kind of where it all blew up, and that was that was big news. And again, front page. News. And was on straight away. Then it was it was almost a battle between Fintan Ginnity who, as you mentioned, have been there for, for many years, and Eamon Barry.
3: Yeah, and I suppose, look, it does relate back to 2003 as well, in that uh, the county board had objected to Gary Rogers uh, being part of the All-Ireland uh, the, the, the junior squad because he had been cleared by his club, I think Draugher United at the time, he had been cleared by his club to play inter-county, but not with his club St. Dalton's. And, you know, on a point of principle, I would have to say at the time, I remember thinking, well, if a player is not playing for his club on a regular basis and is not available to them, uh, the honour of playing with a county and while it is different, it it should be a progression and the progressive step should be you go from your club to your county and Gary couldn't play and obviously he went on to have a magnificent career after that and Mm -hmm. made the right choice effectively. But at the time, on a point of principle, the county board were defending that and you know there was certainly there was certainly merit in that. You can also see where Martin Barry was coming from, wanted to get a really good player into the setup to win an All Ireland Junior title. So um, the principle against the benefit of having the player there that 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 led to a very unfortunate uh, clash in a dressing room that was seen by by several players. Uh, it led to two very heavy suspensions, ninety six weeks and forty eight weeks respectively for Desi Rogers and Martin Barry. It went to court. Subsequently, I think the case was thrown out by recall. Uh, it, was, it certainly wasn't. They didn't they didn't get their suspensions overturned. And indeed, there might have been some dispute with Martin Barry. Was he was he a member of? Were, were they in the rights to within to suspend him in the first place? Was he a member of the G. So all of those things, um, they filtered into this really when Eamon Barry went to you know appoint Martin Barry as a coach and bring Desi in as uh, as a physio and the county board felt the executive felt this was this was too soon it was too raw and everything else and i think Eamon would have acknowledged that he read it wrong subsequently in trying to push it through i think the day after the uh, the day after the vote of no confidence by the management were really probably probably what deepened this was his statement uh in the aftermath of being told that i think that probably really really uh, accelerated this process. And management, I think, was pretty close to being unanimous in saying there's no confidence in Eamon if he's going to speak like that about about the board. So it changed after that, actually, because prior to that meeting, by recall again, Martin Barry had said, well, look, I'm not going to go forward. I have my own club commitments. And Desi Rogers also pulled out. So they had removed themselves anyway at hmm. this point. And I think Eamon Barry, the following day, was it with, with, was it with LMF, actually? he, uh, he it was, uh, he knew, yeah. Where he said he may yeah. have read it wrong and that, you know, he was keen to keen to hold on to his job. But the board did uh the board did uh, obviously in the wake of that statement, uh post a vote of no confidence and inform them there was a no, vote of no confidence being put before the clubs the following Monday night. Hmm.
2: Yeah, so this all happened in the space of a week. So the, the statement from Eamon Barry came out on the Monday, it was in the papers on the Tuesday. On the Wednesday, as you mentioned there, Desi Rogers Uh, And Martin Barry said he was busy with other commitments, so he wasn't going to be involved. That was, I guess, an attempt to draw the sting out of it. Don't think that cut much ice with with the Meade County board, as you said. Eamon Barry then goes on LMFM on the Thursday to say, you know, he read it wrong. And he held held up his hands and said it was you know an error of judgment on my behalf and I would like to apologize. However, just when everyone thought that was pouring kind of oil and troubled waters, on the Friday, the national media pick up on this charm offensive, but one discordant line in the Irish Times, which was also highlighted by the RT6 o'clock news, derails the peace process. Uh, Frank Roach writes here, the beleaguered bosses quoted as saying, are we dealing with a dictator? Of course, referring to um, Fintan Kennedy, which of course wouldn't have gone down well uh, with, with anybody, uh, with any county board chairman uh, across the country I wouldn't have thought and that you know kicks things off again but there's a compromise reach. We, were, we were chatting about this off, off the record or off air if you want to say that and I guess the county board weren't too sure of their, their position either in terms of who was going to come out on top and, and ultimately later on in the year 15 again they actually lost his position but before that there was maybe a feeling that they might be trying to pick a wrong, the wrong battle here with Damon Barry uh-
3: First of all, David, I suppose Fintan Guinity, the late Fintan, a very strong-willed character, as 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 was Eamon Barry at the time. Eamon Barry would have been a regular thorn in the county board's side, and you know he was um, certainly put up very strong cases to be to be meat manager in those three in those three years, and didn't always feel he got uh, fair process either. So he would have been a thorn in the side of the Mead county board at that time, and and even since, indeed, uh, on, cer- on certain uncertain issues, but. Uh, Two will characters straight away and that clash, but in the aftermath of that, uh, when Desi Rogers and um, Martin Barry did uh, step aside and uh, Eamon did, it was an act of contrition in some ways that he he did step back from that, but yes, I think at that point, there was a lot of uncertainty as to whether the vote of no confidence would actually be passed by the clubs because the fact that Eamon had backed down and the fact that the two members of the backroom team that he wanted to bring in had uh, departed themselves anyway. Certainly uh, helped to ease tension, but the board were adamant that they were, uh, the board executive, the executive were adamant that they were pressing on ahead with the vote. Yet, again, by recall, I'm not so sure whether that vote would have carried on the night. And, you know, subsequently when you look at Eamon Eamon O'Brien's removal as manager and you look at Banty's, uh, Seamus McEnany's, Failure to remove him after relegation in 2012. There was a discordant air there among delegates that uh, manifested then and may have actually manifested on that night in 2005 when what we call the, uh, the Ardboyne Accord was uh, was signed into law. Nine point, a nine-point charter, really, uh, that at the time, I have to say, that was thrashed out over five hours on the Monday. Uh, and Eamon Barry signed up to it and general feeling was he had weakened his position by signing up because really you look at it in the context of today and just looking back at some of the points that uh, he was asked to sign up that the very very basic show respect to county board officials Well, most managers would show respect you know consult with uh, a fixture secretary over clubs basic again budgetary uh, submissions make budgetary submissions that have to be passed by county board I mean that's that's standard. All of these things are standard practice. It was one about jerseys being picked up at the end after games by a county board officials. Okay, a bit petty, but obviously stemmed uh, from what happened two years earlier. That wasn't obviously had anything to do with him and Barry, only by the fact that he's Martin's brother. So really a lot of the things that were put to them, you know, were they were they were petty, but at the time it was probably felt that these things needed to be needed to be signed up to. Now whether they should have been out in public like they were. That's the other question. I mean, I, I don't think there was any great benefit. Look, don't get me wrong, David. It made it made for it made for great copy at the time, and it certainly shortened the shortened the winter and in, in two thousand and five for our certainly shortened those 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 few uh, those few weeks. But you just wonder in hindsight, you know, signing up to could they should they just not have agreed? But I think the county board were keen to put out there that you know. Eamon is back down here and, and we are the winners and it certainly probably did weaken his position in ways signing up to that because if he hadn't said hold on a minute I'm not signing up here why would I do this I've backed down I've said you know I've stepped back from this and the two guys are no longer being pushed through I think if that had gone to the vote that night I think delegates probably that night were happy that this was put to bed but if it had, a, if it had gone to the vote And that nine point charter had been placed in delegates' hands, I think it would have strengthened him in Barry's case.
0: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code Program
2: Yeah, and I'm looking at I'm looking at your own um article on that particular night. Barry survives at a price. As you mentioned, that was the kind of feeling was that he was compromised a little bit and his position was weakened. And you know, Gennady, in fairness, Finneganity, as you said there, passed away in twenty nineteen, have been you know, at the at the helm from MEGA for so long, he did admit that mistakes were made because possibly because this is the first time we've had to deal with a new yeah. a new manager, as you said. So fairness to Fintegrity, as you said, yeah. a strong-willed man, but he he admitted that he mistakes yes, were made. He, on both did. Sides. he
3: did admit at the time, and it was that that was a difficult time for him and for and for the board, and they, they had not been used to obviously succession number one. And you have to say that in in hindsight, like he ran a very good county board for a long long time. We were very very successful. Things, you know. Things ran well. Now, I would also say that around that time, Me GA did take their eye off the ball. Dublin had come in with their million pound or million euro coaching uh, and games development project. At that stage, it was a year up and running. And I, I, I felt, you know, you feel that these controversies, you just wonder that there was so much about Mead managers in the, in the years that followed that did it absorb... So much time and energy and everything else that the eye was taken off the ball because, you know, me did reach two All Ireland semi-finals in the years that, in the years that followed, and there clearly were decent enough players. But bottom line is, in 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 the twenty years, it's been twenty in twenty years, and I stand to be corrected here. I think it's two Leinster under twenty stroke under twenty one finals that me have reached, haven't won a title in that time. So you have to question were the uh, in those years. Not the last decade, because I think there has been some progress over the last five, six, seven years in terms of in terms of coaching and games development structures and certainly with the East Leinster project. But that's that's gone off on a tangent a little bit. In those years, just wonder was there too much politicking about things. Um and the eye was taken off the ball. And this is one of this is one of the instances here that I feel, you know, helped to contribute to that.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned there that the nine point the art boy in i wonder if it was held in the new grange would be called the new grange negotiation or something else i'm sure you would have come up with some sort of alliterative uh, title for it but as you said there the, the the nine point plan itself most of it's fairly you know self-explanatory and fairly standard stuff but as you said the fact that it was made public that was what what again looking back through it that was what surprised me i could i could see because Eamon Barry was such a strong-willed guy, now he obviously was maybe spooked by the fact that this job that he'd fought so long and so yes. hard for was going to be taken away from him, that he was prepared to kind of swallow anything almost. But it just seemed a little bit unnecessary to me that this was made public. And there was obviously the the photo the photo, photo opportunity of, of Fintan and Eamon shaking hands to the top table and all that sort of stuff to put this to bed. But making it public just seemed like one step too far almost. But as you said, the county board were, were obviously keen to... To, you know to make it clear that they had kind of come out on top here so they saw or so they saw yeah. it anyway
3: it was it was an assertion of authority really that's 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 what it was tantamount to that they had gone uh take, taken each other management and the new the new manager had taken each other head on, on head on and there 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 was a winner while Eamon, Eamon kept his job he had to accede to All of these requests, which I have to say again, and you're I'm looking at them now fifteen years later, sixteen years, fifteen years later, and you're saying signing up to them. Well, if they were kept public and they were just in agreement, but obviously times were things were different, the atmosphere was different at the time. So you have to you have to place it into the context of that. But looking at them now, if if they were Mm -hmm. by gentlemen's agreement or a shake hands and acknowledgement, respect and you know, consult with fixtures. I'm sure stuff like that are written into charters that managers have across the country. Mm-hmm. They're not made public. That's the difference, and they're not held up as a triumph in ways. And that's that's what it felt like that night. That you know he yeah. that the, that the management, uh, the executive, mead, mead county board executive had, had asserted its authority here. But as things happened a week or two later, Fintan Ginnity lost his job as chairman, and you wonder was all of this did it come at a price of this. And that's something that you would wonder and you, you would think maybe maybe was a contributing factor
1: too.
2: Yeah, by one vote, 81-80 to Brendan Dempsey, which is, it's incredible to think that somebody who's put in that much time, and obviously that's the way it's just the majority end of story, but um, <laughs> to lose by one vote is incredible really after all the years yeah, of and, thinking that Kennedy had put in.
3: I think Brendan Dempsey had been challenging for a while too, so so almost similar to him and Barry challenging, Sean Boylan. Maybe there was just a time, maybe people like that felt that... Uh, you know, the time had come to to change things. But you know, he, say what you like about Fintan Guin, he he achieved a lot in his time as Meade County Board chairman. There's no doubt, and 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 his legacy is good. His legacy is very, very, very solid in, in in that respect. And while that might have ended badly that night for him, you know, I think he quickly got over it and got on with it.
2: Yeah, and I think what what you know when you say that there, it kind of puts me in mind of some of the Meade footballers that would have. Played back in the '90s and iess that maybe people wouldn't have rated too highly at the time, but looking back now you'd, yeah. you'd give your right you'd give your right arm to see them there you know yeah, so- I mean he
3: look look you know people and Eamon Barry referred to it there the, about about dictator the, the dictatorship he certainly delegation wasn't one of his better strengths he felt more comfortable getting a job done, and if he set out to do something he, he did it, and people may not have liked his manner, but he did get things done yeah.
2: I was going to ask you just before we finish up on this this uh, Ardboyne Accord if you could imagine Andy McIntyre agreeing to something like that so publicly. But what I hadn't realised was Andy McIntyre was actually part of that backroom team as well and left just before Christmas just that before year. So happened. perhaps he didn't have a problem with it.
3: Yeah, I, I I just probably think the environment, the whole environment around the time that Andy, may I, I actually can't recall why he got out, but maybe maybe it was mm. the environment that was just yeah. Uh, it didn't. It didn't feel right. You know, things were were were, were fractious. But again, there may have been work related reasons or something like that. I just yeah. I just can't recall. I do know it was the week before Christmas when he pulled out, but I can't exactly recall his reasons. It may it may have been that he just felt, uh, you know, not 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 the time yeah. or place for me.
2: Yeah, I was actually just surprised to see his name again. It's a long time ago, and God knows it's hard to remember sometimes who the managers or yeah. and remind who the backroom team was with these things. So. I'm going to talk to, to a couple of the players from the time about the football side of things, but let's just move it on to the following year because we know Colin Coyle came in uh, after Eamon Barry's one and only year in charge. But I guess something kind of interesting happened uh, middle of the following year in July um, when it was sanctioned. I'm reading Colin Collier's piece here from the 16th of September in 2006 after Colin Coyle had been appointed and he's basically saying that the, the guilt trip was laid on the delegates that night to, to get Colin Coyle in. But there was... a um, a decision made in july that the executive committee should establish a subcommittee to interview nominees and that the subcommittee would then make a recommendation so what happened there basically was the county board essentially will would, would, would pick their preferred candidate and i know uh, looking at this again this report of the league delegate oliver cudden basically felt that the clubs are almost being railroaded into picking the going with the guy that the county board had put forward so 12 months on, uh, Colin Coyle, Tommy Dowd and Dudley Farrell as a as a trio, as a as a management team are put to the clubs. And again, you know, reading through what happened that night, it, it does feel a little bit like Eamon Barry was hard done by. Like there, were, there was there was calls from the floor again, reading this report that Eamon Barry was shafted, certain delegates and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was a curious way it was a curious change to bring in in the middle of a year I would have thought with a new manager and, and Eamon himself said afterwards that he wasn't surprised that he was told in May of that year after a match that he wouldn't be getting a second term now again that's that's his word against whoever's but I don't know that, that kind of change in the in the rules uh, in the middle of the year struck me as a little bit uh, curious let's say
3: yes maybe not uh, I suppose the timing of it is one thing it happened in Eamon Barry's year but you would have to say that it is probably the accepted way of doing business now and since there are very few instances. I can't. I'm not sure. Is there any county that allows number of candidates to go on a ticket at a county board meeting and that delegates vote in? They either vote to accept a recommendation or they don't. And the clubs are the choice of refusing to accept the recommendation of management if they felt that strongly about it. At the time, now you would suspect the timing of that in his first year, in Eamon's first year. Fine, the timing of it isn't isn't great, but the 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 broader issue is uh, a smaller group uh, picking a manager is what's done now is what's done, and a subcommittee will pick. They will make a recommendation to a management committee, and a management committee will make a recommendation to a county board for ratification. So that just happened to happen in his year. Whether by design or not, maybe so. I actually mm. can't recall what the sentiment was around the time. Meade did okay in his first year. I have to say they, 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 were, they won the O'Byrne Cup. And I think yeah.
2: they were relegated that year. Relegated on six points, which is very unusual, yeah. in fact.
3: And then lost, Leash. Lost, lost, the, lost badly to Wexford and then lost to Leash in the qualifiers mm. up in Park yeah. So, it wasn't a great year. And a year later, they reached an All-Ireland semi-final, beating Tyrone in an All-Ireland quarter-final. So really, the pickup on Colin Coyle's first year was very, very strong. So yeah. management can look back and say, or the subcommittee that picked uh, Colum Coyle or recommended him as manager can say, well, we were justified mm-hmm. um, and that we got I to should, an all Ireland semi-final a year later.
2: Should, should mention as well that that, that proposal or that, that change that happened in the middle of the year in 2006, it was carried by 49 votes to five. So you know, the clubs had an opportunity there to, to push yeah,
3: back on that they, so- they had an opportunity to reject the recommendation too, and didn't. Uh, so uh, was that the prevailing mood in the County that maybe uh, even after a year, managers can lose their positions after a year. That's, that's, that happens. Um mm. But, you know, I do think maybe that Eamon was weakened by the, uh, by the events of the previous December, perhaps, uh, and the team played; they, they performed okay, but nothing out of the ordinary, and certainly not as good as a year later, because they actually drew with Dublin in a Leinster in a Leinster semi-final quarter, quarter final. final. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and lost subsequently by 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 four points. So that was again, you know, that was a strong bit of form, and then beat Tyrone in a in a beat Tyrone in a in a quarter final. That was that was strong mm. form.
2: Just to wrap up on it, I mean, it was an extraordinary. It was an extraordinary period for me football. Um, as I said, not for the right reasons and it was it was all over the sports pages for for a good week or two after or during that time when, when the, the spat was going on between Eamon Barry and the county board. But you touched on it there and it was something that I heard before as well, that Sean Boylan wanted to continue on and have his own sort of succession plan. Now, maybe people might say, Well, maybe he should have done that after two thousand and one into two thousand and two and three, and then had that switch over. Um, it's all well and good saying this with hindsight, but maybe that would have been a smoother way to go about things. But of course, you know these succession plans don't always work. The person that he was grooming to take over from him mightn't have mightn't have been up to it either. It's very hard to say, but certainly the way it went, as you said, it was a great copy for for the papers. But um, yeah, it really yeah. it really did blow up. Look, it was
3: it was it was the first of uh, many bumps on the road for me over the following seven or eight years, and even if you take into controversy around the Leinster final. Uh, and then Eamon O'Brien's subsequent um, ejection and then Seamus McEnany and throw in the middle of all of that there was an issue regarding Luke Dempsey's appointment as well because he was the preferred choice of a subcommittee but the management recommended that so Meade had difficulties in years that followed with managerial appointments in the years that followed Sean Boylan and it really took until Nick O'Dowd came in uh, for all of that to settle down and there despite the fact that they haven't been successful, there has been relative peace and calm over the last nine, eight years between Mick O'Dowd's four years and Andy McIntyre has now completed four years. And even if the team is further away from Dublin than it's ever been, there's peace and quiet. Maybe maybe there's an element of, well, people don't care as much now because they accept where meat are. Back then in 2005, it was all pretty emotive.
2: Yeah, and just one very final point. I mean, speaking to Brian Farrell um, in the first part of this podcast, he mentioned that those defeats against Fermanagh uh, and the one against Cabin in, in 05 and the two previous years as well against Fermanagh as you said and he was an unused sub in one of those matches and he said walking off after the after the game uh, the abuse as you said that Sean Boylan was getting and I was thinking about it afterwards and it, it was extraordinary that somebody of Sean Boylan standing would get that abuse but like you said there, most people myself included and yourself, like grew up with a period of like incredible success for me. And whether Mead were winning all Ireland's or Leinster's or not, they were always there or thereabouts. So that fall off did take people a bit of time to adjust. And now, I mean, you know, not not everybody is going to shout abuse at a manager. There are obviously exceptions to every, every rule, but I guess that goes some way to explain and why that depth of feeling was there. And and maybe, as you said, that kind of strength of feeling and maybe the support for me in general has kind of dissipated in, in the last 10 years because the success isn't there, really.
3: I certainly think the support and the, the interest is not as great as it once was. It certainly wasn't as great. It isn't as great now as it was back then because people really, really cared to the extent where they were prepared to call out John Boylan in terms of wanting him out of the out of the job. Um, you look at Kilkenny right now, David, and people want Brian Cody out of the Kilkenny job and it's only been five years since his last All-Ireland title. They're currently Lancer champions. And I can see a lot of similarities now between Sean Boylan back in 2004, 2005, and Brian Cody now. And ironically, the parallel will be if Kilkenny don't win the All-Ireland this year, it will be six years since their last All-Ireland title. And that's the same amount of time after Sean Boylan from 1990 to 2005 and after Pete McGrath. So there is a time frame there. That time is probably up for a manager of that of that length. You know, if Sean Boylan went two or three years a year, say he went in two thousand three, even two thousand four, he could have been back in as main manager within a year or two after that again, and could have taken off. That's the way. That's the way I felt at the time. If he leaves now, he could be back in two years. If he wants the job, it could have it could have worked out that way. But I do think the broad interest in me because obviously there hasn't been success, and because Dublin are so far ahead in Leinster. That the broad interest just isn't isn't as great where people are up in arms over management or anything like that, and that's why you have, you know, peace and tranquility on that front that wasn't there in the seven or eight years after Sean Boylan left. It certainly created it created a lot of turmoil that they weren't used to it, and you know you could see the same thing happening in Kilkenny as well because it happened in Kerry after Dwyer. Mick Oso- Mickey Ned O'Sullivan was there for three years. Ogie Moran was there for three years, and both men were subjected to a lot of. A lot of uh, a lot of abuse, you know. Kerry weren't successful. That's a period where Cork were dominant. Uh, so succession after a manager that has been there for a long time clearly is difficult. We see it across the water too. Obviously, with Alex Ferguson, really United are only only getting it together now, and that's what eight or nine years later.
2: Yeah, and we're we're not too far off. Twenty years since Smee's last alarm final appearance as well, which is a scary thought for everybody. But uh, but listen, Colm, it's been really interesting uh, looking back on a fairly tumultuous time for me this uh, Thanks so much for for talking to us about it, I
3: have to say, looking back on some of the looking back at some of the uh, some of the articles, uh, it, it really was a protracted. It really was a protracted uh, issue for me. I, I hadn't. I hadn't really realised that maybe as much as as much as the 2010 episode and all of that would be far greater in in the public psyche. But that was that was a big issue at the time. And you know, within, within three or four months, Sean Boylan and Fintan Ginni had both vacated their positions that they had held for 20 years and 20 very very successful years or more. In Sean's case, 23. Fintan Ginni had been there for 20 years, so it was a big upheaval those few months for me for me, GA in general.
2: Yeah, absolutely remarkable. Listen, Colin, thanks so
3: much. Thanks, David.
2: Yes, Column Keys. There, looking back on an absolutely extraordinary time for Meath J a period of huge upheaval, as he mentioned, and as he also mentioned, a period that uh, I certainly uh, had forgotten about. I hadn't realised quite the extent of the controversy, and I don't think Column had either. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you listening in were probably uh, surprised to hear some of the stuff that went on as well, and some of the headlines that were made. Um, certainly, I didn't realise when I started. Working on this podcast at the very beginning, I knew there had been a little bit of controversy, but when I went back looking through the archives, I was really surprised at the number of headlines that me, GEA, garnered at that time. And of course, it came at a time of the year when there was very little going on in, in GEA terms and in, in the world of GEA. There's not a whole lot of action to be reporting on. Maybe you have a disgruntled county board chairman making a few soundings in the media or you've got some financial reports coming out from various county boards but generally speaking there's not much to report on at that time of the year but that Mead story certainly gave the papers plenty to write about and it was unusual as well of course for Mead to be making headlines for what was going on off the field because they had been so steady and so secure for so long as Colin mentioned there you had Fintan Gennady who as I said we sadly lost in 2019 and you had Sean Boylan two men who served Meath GA for so many years and were a team really and when both of those guys went at the same time there was bound to be fallout from that and that's certainly what happened and unfortunately for me that they were in the headlines for the wrong reasons but a really interesting time and some remarkable stuff that went on around then in Meath GA circles so that's the off the field end of things we're going to talk to Kevin Riley and Brian Farrell in part Two of this episode two and that will be available from tomorrow morning that's friday morning so if you're listening to this podcast on thursday the 11th then the second part of this episode two with brian farrell and kevin Riley will be available from tomorrow morning friday morning thanks as always for listening and if you are enjoying this podcast do let people know about it anyone you think that might be interested do send it their way and if you want to get in touch with me i'm on twitter at david sport if you have any questions or comments about the podcast and we do hope you enjoy part two of episode two